Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the ACC Now podcast brought to you by the News and Observer. Uh, my name is Steve Wiseman, the Duke beat writer for the NNO, and I'm joined today by no other than C.L. Brown, our uh, North Carolina beat writer, uh, only appropriate. Here it is the Monday after uh, the first week of the NCAA tournament. Uh, both both of us are home for the day, uh, preparing for another trip out uh, for the weekend for, uh, for more games this week because both of our teams have advanced uh, to the Sweet 16. Duke will play uh, Thursday night in San Francisco against Texas Tech. Carolina will play Friday night in Philadelphia against UCLA. CL, how are you today? I am doing well. Um, I've covered probably the craziest game I've ever covered, uh, football, basketball, whatever, on Saturday. I mean, <laughs> this goes beyond just, you know, generally speaking, how when you get to a certain point of a game and you think it's over and you start writing one way, I mean, this goes way beyond, (laughs) way beyond that. Uh, Up 25 when Brady Manick got ejected. I did feel, though, the moment, you know, the moment he got ejected that something could happen because they haven't really been in that situation playing without him this year. And to me, he's been their MVP, you know, for this last stretch of the season. I think it's, I think they kind of, it used to be kind of the team would go how Caleb Love goes, but I think it's, it's now if Brady is making shots, they got a chance against anybody. You know, it's funny that Caleb Love, like we talked about that previously, like if he did a certain thing or a certain, certain stats or whatever he had, uh, yeah. they win or it was a win or lose. It was easy to, to, to draw a straight line point, to, point to it. But, uh, yeah, Manic, man, he has played really well lately and he's brought attitude to him too. And, 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 you know, the way he plays on the court, the way he acts and, uh, uh, it's really been great for the team. And of course, uh, you were in Fort Worth. Uh, I was watching that game. I was down in South Carolina in Greenville with, uh, where Duke was watching that game on television. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, we've all been at games where, you know, we started to write something and then the comeback happens and you whipsaw here and there. But but that one had so many dramatic turns. I mean, uh, I'm not sure. I and I was watching on TV. I'm not sure I've covered a game like quite like that one where, you know, 10, 10 minutes to go up 25. And I, I saw Duke come back from 23 down at Louisville. Oh, yeah. Uh, in, in 2019. Yeah. So that was similar. But it wasn't like one player left the game and and everything you know went to heck, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, and and you could just see it rolling. And of course, it wasn't an NCAA tournament. And then you had overtime to cover too, which yeah. I think most of us who were watching it thought, if it got to overtime, Carolina's going to be in trouble, right? Because yep. uh, they they couldn't get it together. And then they they pull it together and win, you know, kind of convincingly uh, in overtime. It was which really which is the crazy part about it. I mean. You're talking about a lineup that basically never played together with with Justin McCoy and Dontrez Styles having to fill in yeah. for mannequin love. And 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 I think that's part of what contributed to their their problems trying to break the press and, and Baylor getting so many turnovers. I mean, they had season high 21 turnovers, 13 of their turnovers were in were basically from Manic getting ejected that last 10 minutes and five minutes in overtime was 13 turnovers. 
which is <laughs> an absurd number for that short of, you know, 15 minutes, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but they held it together. I think to play it again, you know, I said it after the game was Dontre Styles hitting that three to start nice. overtime. I mean, you talking about a freshman stepping up. He he'd only taking taking thirteen, including one he took in the first half of the game all season. Um, he's only made before that one. He had only made two threes this season. That's so um, just to have the confidence in that shot. You know, and it wasn't like it was some kind of fluky situation or whatever. I mean, there was still time on the shot clock. He could have passed it away or whatever, you know, but the ball came. It was a good shot to take and he took it. And, and you know, kind of I felt like they breathed a sigh of relief. I, I think that helped everyone on the team just kind of calm down. Like, you know what? We can do this. No, and, yeah. and finished it off. No question. I mean, yeah, he shot that ball. He shot it with authority, like with confidence, like, okay, this yeah. is what I'm supposed to do out here. Uh, what's that? He showed Kinston tough, right? To, right. To, uh, right. <laughs> uh, all the stories are, our, our great colleague, Andrew Carter has written about Kinston, <laughs> yeah. the history. And uh, that, that's another chapter right there. And, and what he did um, uh, uh, for Kinston, for Kinston in Carolina, that was quite, quite the game. And um you know, uh, looking ahead, uh, Carolina's next game is against UCLA. We'll uh, get into that a little bit. And we talked off air and starting this day, they were supposed to play UCLA back in December and uh, COVID messed that up with UCLA on their end. And now the basketball it gods made it probably, Yeah, it led to their worst performance of the season, getting beat by Kentucky by 29. Um, I, I feel like, I don't remember exactly, but I think, Kentucky wasn't named the opponent until sometime that Thursday and they played Saturday. Right. So <clears throat> there wasn't a lot of prep time, you know, for them. Uh, not saying that that excuses. I mean, 29 points, 29 points. And they were down over 30 at one point in that game, which, which is ridiculous because at, at no point in the season did I ever feel like Kentucky was 30 points better than this squad. Right. You know, <laughs> it played out that way on that day. And Carolina is definitely a much, much different team now than they were in on December 18th. Yeah, that's that makes me wonder if any of the game plan that Hubert and his coaches had drawn up will even be used because uh, I'm sure some of it will. But uh, yeah, they're such a different team, you know, very, and, very and much so. And it's made the ACC and our colleague Luke DeCock wrote a column today about this, about it's made the ACC a different team in March than it was throughout non-conference play. And yeah. um, uh, a lot of people within the league, coaches and everybody, Josh Pastner uh, loudly uh, had said that, you know, the ACC should have eight or nine teams in. I think that was a little, little uh, hyperbole, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but really the league has proven they got three teams through the six to week 16. Um, I think eight and two is the record now in the, in the, in the tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, only nobody else has more than three. Uh, so um, it's really been good. And uh, uh, Carolina and Duke both did their thing. Miami was in Greenville where I was, and they won two big games uh, down at the end was you know, beating Southern Cal and then uh, really handling Auburn, just, yeah. uh, you know, blowing them out. I called that one in my brackets, I must say. Boom. Carolina as well. Take it, man. 
Take it where you can get it. Good work. But yeah, I'm only revealing the good picks I have. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about where you had Kentucky going. (laughs) No, actually, I had them losing um, in the Sweet 16. Okay. Uh, I had Iowa. Every year I try and pick a a dark horse kind of team. And I love the way Keenan Murray played. And I thought that they could, you know, ride him far in the tournament. And so... That that was my that was the worst pick I had in my bracket so far. <laughs> Bad weekend um, for Iowa basketball because I think their women's yeah. that knocked out too. So. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that's right. <laughs> but anyway, this is the ACC Now podcast. I'm getting off topic by by talking, about <laughs> but uh, not the Big Ten Now. Podcast. I do want to say one thing about yes, sir. So the ACC tournaments, I mean the the ACC's performance in the NCAA tournament doesn't at all erase the their non conference performance from November and December correct I feel like I feel like people are glossing over yes this was a down year in the ACC but yes the ACC is performing well in the tournament those both can be true exactly I feel like people are forgetting the losses that the league's teams took in non-conference play that made people say hey this ain't the year for the ACC. <laughs> so, uh, all of it matters. Like, you know, from start to finish, it all matters. And But but the thing is, is that's so crucial in determining your selection to the NCAA tournament. So to me, it this doesn't mean that Wake Forest should have been in it. They should right. You right. know, they didn't play a tough non-conference schedule. You know, I think, what was it, 300 and... 30, yeah, they were really like low. 338. Yeah, yeah. Something, something like that. Right. Right. And and then they lost that first game to Boston College in the in the ACC tournament. So to me, no, they shouldn't have got in just because the ACC's doing well now doesn't mean you can go back and rewrite it. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Yes, we agree on that topic. Uh for sure, because they they did not. But uh Yes, the, uh, all those losses mattered, and once you do that non-conference, it's locked in. You know, once you get to January, exactly. there's no more non-conference games, and you you're just yeah. you get just do what you do, and yeah. and and a team like Wake can't afford to lose a game to Boston College in the ACC tournament. Exactly. You know, and Virginia Tech had to win four and four days to get in. Yeah, they probably weren't if they had, even if they didn't beat Duke, they probably weren't getting in based on where they were seated. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but good for the Fighting Mike Braves of Notre Dame who. <laughs> Who, uh, what a showing by them. Uh, yeah. uh, what they had to do to winning in Dayton and then flying all night to San Diego and then knocking off, you know, Alabama handily. I mean, yeah, they, they won that oh, going yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, unlike, you know, Indiana was in a similar situation. They beat Wyoming and then had to travel all night to Portland and they didn't play well at all. They got blown out. They, they showed yeah, they look like they were running on fumes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I watched the end of uh, Notre Dame's game with Texas Tech last night, who's Duke's going to play next. The winner of that game is going to play Duke. So um, I had a close eye on that one. And it looked like Notre Dame, they ran out of gas in that one. The last three or four minutes of the game, they had time. They were turning the ball over, had their hard time running their offense. Um, Texas Tech is incredibly strong defensively. They're number one yeah. in Ken Palm. Yeah. Um, which is going to be a big problem for Duke. But uh, uh, anyway, good for Notre Dame. So- that's actually a good segue to talk about Duke uh, yeah. from Michigan State because I felt like they probably closed that game better than they have, you know, 
better than any game they closed in February. <laughs> for sure. For so, sure. I yes. Think back to some of the losses, you know, the Virginia loss, the Carolina loss in particular come to mind where they just kind of were looking for somebody to take over and it didn't happen. Right. They, um, they showed the toughness and the grit that has been missing a lot that the coaches. And I think that's why coach K was so he got rather emotional in in his opening statement was he had been working so hard to will that team. He and his staff trying to get him there, trying to get him to find that in themselves. And they finally did. Uh, in in a situation where you know it was crucial, his season was going to be over, and I think he, I think he saw what was happening, and that it it was coming to an end. Like it was, yeah. they were right there. They had a nine point lead in the second half, just kind of frittered away, and all of a sudden they're down by five. Uh, it was seventy to sixty five, and then uh, you know they made a couple shots, got back in it. Trevor Keels of all people makes a three pointer to tie it at seventy two, and then and then you know it's Roach and Caro and. Mark Williams blocking a shot, Ben Carroll blocking a shot, Wendell Moore getting getting a steal. They made free throws in the last minute. Uh, I think they made five out of six in the last minute, which is you know clutch. And um, they found it. They found it for that game. Now let's see if they can replicate it <laughs> against an even better uh, defensive team in, in Texas Tech. But but yeah, that that's um, you know they they showed that a little bit when they won at Virginia in uh, uh, right there in the next last week of the season. That was a close game at the end. And really that was all AJ Griffin. He made a couple three pointers and another basket. He scored like eight points in a row in the last four minutes, or they probably would have lost that one. But that was just him. That was just one guy. He got hot. He did. He did it, but he got hot. And, but this was like multiple, you know, because I mentioned Roach and Keels and Ben Caro and uh, more making the steal and hitting free throws. So um, this is the team uh, that they wanted to be. And uh, so Texas tech again is going to give them a tough test for sure. So this is a question I have. So has Coach K basically decided to go with Roach? Like that's his guy now in terms of, you know, trying to get the offense to run a little better and and maybe even be a little bit better in terms of defensively on the perimeter. He said it was more defensively was it was the reason because uh, they were trying something with Keels at the top and he was getting beat off the dribble some and, and it wasn't. It wasn't working, and Roach had proven to be a better defender. If you look at um, synergy and all that stuff, like Roach is a little better than than Keels for the season on, on a lot of those things, ISOs and things like that, and uh, stopping shooters. But um, then yesterday, Griffin got hurt. You know, he twisted his ankle or whatever it did, and and uh, while he was over there getting retaped and everything, they put Keels back in, and they had back to the which is their original starting five. Roach was the start of the first seventeen games. Yeah, where Griffin replaced him, so. At the end of the game yesterday, that was the starting five they they started off the season with when they beat Kentucky, when they beat Gonzaga. Um, that was it, and um, and it worked out. So now I'll, I want to see what they do going forward as, as they travel west. If uh, if Griffin goes back in there, uh, if Keels goes back in there, because it worked, you know, this weekend it worked with Keels coming off the bench and he seemed like he was fine. Yeah. But um, you know, I it, uh, you know, there's always the pride thing too uh, yeah. when it comes to that stuff. I have one more question that it, it really sometimes these stats can be nonsensical when you throw out trivia, but they're Owen three in the state of California in the NCAA tournament. Yes. I did, what what do you know what three years those you know those losses came? 
I was there for two of them. I was there oh, in 20, wow, okay. 20, 2011. That was the team. Kyrie came back and played. Yeah, uh, They went west, and Arizona just blew them out in the second half. They were up at halftime at Arizona. Derek Williams scored like 37 points or something. Remember that guy? Oh, wow. Uh, uh, and then in 16, uh, in 11, they were number one seed, so that was an upset. In 16, they went out there. It was Brandon Ingram's team. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't great. They, I think they were a three or a four seed and uh, they, they won two in Providence and went out there and played uh, Oregon. And that was Dylan Brooks and that's oh, crew. Yeah. yeah. And they, they lost yeah. to them. I think it was a double. Digit. I mean, they, it wasn't, they didn't have much of a chance that game. They, they were, yeah. they were, they're not the better team. So those are the two of them. Um, the third one, I think that was, if I remember right, it was my buddy Sheldon Williams, his team when he was a freshman. He told me he went out there. They won two, and they got sent to Salt Lake City for the first couple of rounds, and they won those. And then they went to to LA or Anaheim and lost. I forget who they lost to, but yeah. so uh, these weren't these weren't. I mean, they were pretty good teams. Uh, Ingram's team wasn't great, but they were you know they were talented. And um, yeah, they're zero three in California, zero and five in the Pacific Time Zone because they lost the game. They've lost oh, wow. in in Washington too. Um, they made the final four in '89. Uh, and lost. That's the one that um, Michigan ended up beating Seton Hall. But uh, yeah, yeah, Duke that lost that one. Seattle. Yeah, that was in Seattle. Yeah, Kingdom. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then Kay's first ever NCAA tournament game at Duke in 1984 was uh, in Pullman, Washington. Oh, and wow. they played the they played the Washington Huskies and lost that one. So yeah, I guess I remember well. Come think of it, it's in there somewhere. All the trivia came rolling out. Twelve years on this beat, all got in there some way. Um, so anyway, yeah, they've, uh, they have not had any luck in the West coast, uh, uh, in the NCAA tournament. It's a big thing that we, we talk about coach K always likes to just push it aside. Like it's nothing, but it's a significant amount of games really. Uh, and, yeah. and, and good teams that have not traveled West and played well. And it still just seems kind of strange. Like it's not like it's, it's the NBA and they're coming off a of back to back and had to go, you know, right. <laughs> One West Coast place to another, and then they get right. California and they lost. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's days ahead in preparation. Yeah, it's not like it was the second game of a weekend. It's been the first, and so right. uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. So we'll <laughs> see if if their luck changes on Thursday. Uh, He's got one more chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Texas Tech is is it's going to be a tough game, I think. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. And that them being number one in in Ken Palm and adjusted defense, um, you know, obviously they don't have uh, the 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 guys who just stick out talent wise. And you say this is going to be a pro. They don't have a roster full of those guys, but they're older. Mm-hmm. They, they're gritty. I think the pace of play will be will be a determining factor too. Um, cause it, it's not like they play a faster, you know, some kind of fast tempo. Like I, I think Texas tech wants to muddy this game up. Yes. They want to make it a rock fight. Yes. If Duke allows that to happen, it could be, it could be old for Cali. And I heard, uh, Bob Huggins, uh, last night analyzing Texas tech, uh, you know, West Virginia coach who played him in conference play this year. And he said that. Um, surprisingly, I didn't think this was true, but they're deep. He likes to, that guy likes to play. Mark Adams likes to play nine or 10 guys and then sub three or four out at a time, that kind of thing to keep mm. legs fresh. 
And usually a team that plays at that slower pace, you don't need to have a lot of depth. But he said it's even worse because, like, you know, they're always fresh. You know, you're trying to oh, yeah. speed them up, and and um, uh, it's hard to do. And uh, they play a system and a style that, that that's really really strong. And and we saw it against Notre Dame. Uh, I did watching it last night. I haven't watched a lot of Texas Tech this year, I'll be honest. But I did watch that game last night. This end of it with Notre Dame, and you could see how they they clamped down and made. You know, it was very hard for Notre Dame to get a shot. Blake Wesley. Drove in there a couple times, turned the ball over, had it knocked away or blocked. Um, so uh, this is going to be one where, like yesterday in the second half, Ben Caro, he would get ISO'd on Joey Hauser, who was guarding him. And and instead of settling for those pull-up jumpers, he just took it to the hole, like, yeah, yeah. which is what he should, he should do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if he tries that against Texas Tech, he's probably not going to have the same luck because yeah. they're going to be a little tougher than – Joey Hauser. Well, yeah, uh, poor Joey Hauser. No, no disrespect. <laughs> they got to get him some help or something. Yeah, keep him isolated on Ben Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's not a good. That's not where you want to be. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yes, uh, the the toughness factor being, I can just hear Coach K talking about. It. They're gonna have to be strong with the ball. That's one of his one of his sayings, right? They're gonna have to, mm-hmm. you know, not not give it up that way. And uh, uh, you know, last night also. It, talk about back to Jeremy Roach, his confident drives to the basket, not just that three-pointer he made, but those, the drives and finishes in, in the lane that he did in half court were, were a big part of his game and a big part of Duke winning. And again, Texas Tech's going to cut those off. So uh, are they going to have to, you know, are they going to run horns maybe to get some, some, um, some screens to get some driving lanes? I'm not sure how Duke will attack it. They'll figure out a way, but uh, they're going to have to, uh, do some things to get some get some high percentage shots. Because if they settle for threes, you know that's a recipe for disaster. If you just sit up yeah. and jack of threes. Yeah. Well, uh, switching gears to Carolina and UCLA, um, the Bruins to me. Uh, well, first of all, I think you know they have uh, uh, Jacquez. Um, uh, Jaime, Jaime Jaquez. I don't know if he says it, Jamie, or. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't yeah. know. But I know but you're talking about. He's going to be a big deal because, you know, he, he sprains his ankle um, in their in their win on uh, on Saturday against St. Mary's. And, you know, these last seven games, he's averaging 21 a game for them. And, mm. and funny, he kind of came to the forefront for them offensively. Well, he's been the second leading scorer all season, but he kind of came to the forefront offensively the last seven games because Johnny Zugang injured. He was also dealing with the ankle injury, and he's kind of sputtered. He missed two games, and then he's played the last six, but in those last six, his average has come down. He's, He's the leading scorer. Um, for the season, but these last six games, he's averaged 10 and has had like, I think three games where he didn't score double digits. So, uh, so UCLA is a little bit beat up. Um, I I do think that they're (laughs) regardless, they're still going to be pretty formidable. This is a team, you know, obviously that played in the final four last year, Mm -hmm. kind of made a surprise run, but a lot of those guys are, are the same guys on this team. Um, and I think that that they kind of gutted out the win in the first round against Akron. That was probably closer than expected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that St. Mary's game was was back and forth until they just kind of broke it open. 
um, in the second half. So it's, it'll definitely be a challenge, but I feel like with Carolina, the way that they played up until, <laughs> up until Mannix ejection. Yeah. Um, to me, they were looking like one of the best teams in the tournament, you know, yeah. for, for a game in three quarters. <laughs> and then that last 10 minutes when everything <laughs> came apart. But um, Until overtime again, the overtime was strong again. So yeah, <laughs> with that, yeah, with that so crew, they threw together. <laughs> they, they're, they're going to come in confident, you know, sure. Um, and, and beating a number one seed, I, I think, you know, from their perspective, I think there's there's no one who they look at like we can't beat at this point, you know. So uh, so it, it'll be an interesting game Friday. They, they did. I knew as soon as it was UCLA, I was like, you know, the TV execs are going to stick us with the late game. <laughs> I got one, too, the night before. 940. Yeah. <laughs> we both got them. <laughs> so try and try and maximize those eyeballs. But yes. Yeah, it, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, it should be a good game. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll both be there with many of our colleagues uh, as, as the newsroom observer uh, sends multiple people on the road here. Uh, you got uh, you got the great Robert Willett with you, right? Uh, taking, yes. Taking care of the visuals. Um, and I know, you know, our friend Luke is, is looking at travel in case he has to get from San Francisco to Philadelphia on Friday. He's going to find a way to do it, I think so. He's already Luke got that. The real MVP. <laughs> he's got that mapped out, man. He's about to be. Uh, he's about <laughs> to be frequent flyer. Yeah. I, I, one question that uh, that I didn't ask about the Baylor game, Carolina Baylor. Yeah, you see the the manic elbow and his ejection. I did, and I didn't think it warranted a flagrant two. Like live, I didn't. And then, yeah. I mean, I know he hit him in the face with the elbow. I mean, but it was it wasn't as. Dramatic. Usually, if when they when they throw somebody out, like the guy throws it, like you can see he's throwing it right. And and this was just kind of part of basketball. I thought. I think it was just boxing out, and it happened to hit him in the face. I I, yeah. I don't know. No, you thought live and everything, but I, I I mean, you can never you can never gauge somebody's intent really, you know, from just watching it, but. I thought given the totality of the game, the way it was being played, the physicalness, especially specifically of that kid from Baylor, um, Jeremy Sochan, I think it's so kind. I'm, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but um, spell it right. That's what we do. <laughs> I kind of think I think Brady was retaliating because I felt like right before it happened, you know, you know, the kid, Jeremy, just kind of goes into him like with with pretty good force and it could have been a foul right then. And they did. Mm-hmm. And so to me, now I don't think he was trying to injure the kid or anything like that. And I don't think he was definitely trying to catch him in the face, but in the chest, maybe, you know, yeah. a little yeah. tap to be like, I'm right here, you know, and it just got high on him. But um, yeah, I, I kind of in retrospect felt like maybe that that was the right call where okay. when i saw when i saw it i didn't think it was but i think i think maybe it was the right call after all well you were there to see all the like you, the background the lead up to what had been going on before uh you since you were courtside um 
uh, and and can see all, which is the great thing about you know us being courtside at games, we can see things that people can't yeah. see on TV all the time. So yeah. I'm glad that you were there. I'm glad that's happened in the NCAA tournament this year. And we're not watching on TV or doing zooms all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, that's good. That's good background because I was I was curious about that. Obviously, um, you know, this isn't like I had a lot of questions for people in Greenville asking. This mean he misses the first half of the next game. I said, no, this isn't football. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people <laughs> got that, that question a lot. Um, and I think I think technically within the rules, if they felt like it, it, it's generally more like if it was a fighting situation or if it was like a David Collins situation. Yes. Duke Clemson. Yes. Where it was more egregious, they could suspend him. Right. Um it didn't manix situation didn't rise to that level it was just looked at as you know a basketball play gone wrong if you right, right. <laughs> and that's it so yeah good carolina fans can rest easy yes he's going to be fine they're going to have their man and they're going to need him against ucla yes, uh and and i don't think anybody's going to disagree with that statement after what they saw in the second half <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although so now what is, uh, we're going to wrap this up pretty soon here, but what do you think uh, Hubert does with Styles? I mean, he played so well, and I know he hadn't really been part of things at all. Yeah. Um, th- does he earn more you minutes somehow? I don't know. No. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I, but what I think it does is it, it both gives Hubert more confidence when he puts them in in situations, and it gives Styles more confidence, you know, knowing that he delivered in that situation. So coming in, there won't be, because there have been times where I still feel like he might have a little jittery. He might be a little jittery when he comes in a game. And, and that's because he hadn't gotten the consistent, you know, minutes of a, of a reserve. Um, I, I like in the way Hubert uses his bench to like an NBA coach. Like it really is situational. Um, and you never know when you're going in. <laughs> you never know. There, there isn't really a rhythm to it where you always know, you know, somebody so-and-so is the first guy off the bench. Like earlier in the year, Manic was coming off the bench. You knew he was going to be the first guy in. That was like legitimate. You right. Know? Right. Assured. But once Dawson Garcia left the team and Manic is in a starting lineup, then it's just kind of been like it's pot luck. It's it's whoever's needed for this specific situation and how how he feels like he can help. And I mean, I look at somebody like Kerwin Walton who um, hasn't really played a whole lot here lately. And, you know, he could be the guy, he could end up being the guy in one of these games where he just comes off, you know, for his shooting and, and makes a difference. So, yeah. Um, so it, it's interesting. I'm not sure how the kids necessarily view it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um but they they do try and stay ready and and you know McCoy and Styles came up big when they when they needed to on Saturday. They sure did, and yeah, that's that's a great point about Hubert and his bench. That's a different approach than you know what we see with a lot of guys like Coach K. We know like Theo John's coming in for Mark Williams before the first timeout. <laughs> it's yeah. going to happen, and uh, and then lately Trevor Keels has been coming in and spelling these this guy and that guy, but. Uh, yeah, so uh, good thing. Uh, Sweet 16, we're ready for that this week. Uh, you can look for all of our stories uh, every day as we get ready for uh, Duke's game on Thursday in San Francisco, the Chase Center. 
be the first time I'm going to visit that arena. It's a new venue since I've been to yeah. San Francisco. So I'm looking forward to that trip. You've obviously been to Philly before, you know, uh, uh, Wells Fargo arena, right? That's, that's where the Sixers play. So you got a shorter trip than I do. You're going to get up there. Uh, what, no connecting for you. Probably you're just straight in. I got to You know, actually I have <laughs> direct flights, but I still got to connect. I uh, did. You? Okay. Well, it won't be as bad as going to San Francisco, but anyway, it, well. it was a budget. It was a pricing. <laughs> <laughs> They have nonstop San Francisco too, by the way. But I, yeah, same reason. I tried to do what I could there for the, for the old company. But anyway, uh, we're thankful or appreciate everybody listening to, uh, to this episode of ACC Now. Uh, continue to follow our coverage of the NCAA tournament, March Madness, um, you know, Duke, Carolina, and then also the NC State women, not to leave them out at all. Uh, they're playing, they're getting they're trying to advance on as the number one seed in their region. Uh, we'll have coverage of that too. And uh, you can check back here. ACC Now podcast for our next episode later on in the week. So thanks for listening, everybody.